Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Greetings, music nerds, and welcome to Season 5 of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. I'm your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. I'd just like to thank everyone for tuning in and being an encouraging audience over the last few years, and I'm sure you will enjoy this season as well. We'll take some deep musical dives together in the coming months, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of these conversations I've been having with some incredible musicians and music producers with you. We have a couple of continuing sponsors that help to bring you each episode this season. The first is Union Tube and Transistor, making incredible guitar effect pedals out of Vancouver, BC. My old pal Chris Young at Union has been laying stuff on me for years, starting with his prototype Buzz Bomb pedal about 15 years ago. Since then, he's become a leading light in boutique pedal manufacturers with an extensive line of pedals like the Moore pedal, the Lab Compressor, and the Sone Bender that are constants in my recording world. Check out their line of pedals at uniontone.com. And the second sponsor for the season is Black Mountain Thumb Picks. I've been using these myself for several months, and I think they're great. Cole McBride, the owner, is trying to make everybody happy and now has medium gauge, heavy gauge, jazz tipped, left-handed, and regular and extra tight spring tensions available. Check them out at blackmountainpicks.com. So even though I've been doing this podcast for about five years, my heart just isn't into hounding companies for advertising dollars. So as always, this show mostly relies on listener support to keep going. And thanks to everyone that has done that in the past. It's a huge help to know that there's people out there willing to kick in to make it all possible. So if you're interested in doing so, there's a few simple ways to help out. First of all, please just tell your music nerd pals about this show. Word of mouth is probably the best way to get the show heard more. If you're in a position to kick in a bit financially, you can make a one-time donation or join in on my Patreon account, which is a monthly donation billed directly to your credit card at any amount of your choice. You'll also get access through Patreon to some private videos and other stuff as I make it available. And the third way that you can help out is to buy a t-shirt or other swag as it comes available. You can have a look at those or make a donation or join the Patreon all at the new website, which is www.makersandshakerspodcast.com. And please don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get them from. And while you're at it, folks, don't forget to have a listen to our offshoot show called One Life featuring Jim Burns. It's a fun concept podcast involving live improvised music and off-the-cuff storytelling. I think you might dig it. And finally, please follow the show on social media. I have links to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook all on the website as well as a YouTube link. And that YouTube channel actually is going to get a bit more action this year. In the past, I've just put up links to some live performances, but I will be starting a video series this year about music and recording that I think you might dig. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. 
Links are all at the top of the page at www.makersandshakerspodcast.com and at my personal website, which is stevedawson.ca. So that's about it for the biz side of things. Let's get going. On to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number 108 with my guest, the incredible soul singer, Robert Finley. He's got a brand new album out called Sharecropper's Son, and you all need to go and listen to that right about now. Before we get going, I'd just like to thank some of the recent financial supporters of the show. We couldn't do it without you, so thanks to Dylan Chernoy, 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 John Dawson, that's my dad. My dad kicked in this month. Thanks, Pop. Nick Zaromsky. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. And I would also like to mention that we're up for a podcast award this year, and the podcast awards are listener-supported, listener-voted awards, and I would love if you would go and give us a vote. So if you head over to podcastawards.com, and near the top of the page, there's a blue box where you can register to vote, and then you sign in and vote, and there's a bunch of categories, and we are, of course, under the music category. So you can vote on any of those categories and uh, you'll find us right there in the music category. So go give us some love. Thank you. And uh, I also wanted to point out that I usually feel pretty good about the quality of the audio, especially on my half of the recording, because I use a really good mic to capture the interviews and or at least my part of them. And uh, I just wanted to mention that there was a bit of a mishap this month. My recording rig crashed early on in the interview. So what you actually end up hearing on my side this month is the crappy Zoom audio from my little earbud microphone. And I guess it could have been worse. It's not that bad, but let's just chalk that one up to technical glitches and roll with it, shall we? Thank you. So Robert Finley, his new album is called Sharecropper's Son. It's on Easy Eye Sound, and it's a really killer recording on a lot of levels. Uh, he recorded it here in Nashville at Dan Auerbach's Easy Eye Sound. The recording quality is killer, as are the players, and just the general electricity that flies out of the speakers when you crank this album on. I love it. And uh, I do want to mention, too, that there's a few things that we talk about during this interview that I feel need a bit of explanation right now, since we ended up talking about them, but we don't really give you listeners much background on what it is we're talking about. So let me do that now, briefly, before we start. So the abbreviated Coles Notes version that you need to know is that uh, while Robert has been playing music on and off his whole life, his real debut album came out at the age of 62 just a few years ago. He grew up and spent most of his life in Louisiana, where he was sharecropping with his entire family when he was just a little kid, and basically spent his entire childhood working out in the fields in Louisiana. Then he joined the army, and at that point got involved in music, sort of booking and putting bands together for functions and singing with various gospel groups, all sort of affiliated with the army. And after the army, he returned to Louisiana and started working as a carpenter and kept singing, of course. And at some point, much later on, he contracted glaucoma and is now legally blind. So his carpentry career was suddenly over. And we talk about this and uh, about how he used busking as a way to get in front of audiences, particularly one time at the King Biscuit Blues Festival, which I think is in Arkansas. And um, through that performance of busking that he talks about, he got hooked up with the Music Makers Foundation 
That is not the Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast. It is the Music Makers Foundation, and they take older blues and soul musicians out on tour and give them work and support. It's a very cool organization. And so when you hear us talking about music makers, that's what we're talking about. He made his first real album in 2016. He'd done a little bit of recording before that, but 2016 is when his first debut actually came out and then eventually hooked up with Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys, of course. And at first he came into the studio through Dan because he was just supposed to sing on a soundtrack to a graphic novel audiobook called Murder Ballads that Dan Auerbach was producing. But they got through that so fast that they had all this extra studio time. And in that extra time, they made an entire record that came out as going platinum. And that was in 2017. And then in 2019, I guess he ended up on America's Got Talent and got pretty far. I don't know much about, or I don't know anything about that. I don't watch TV, uh, but apparently that's a thing. And there's those contests and he was on it and he was on TV and a lot of people know him from that. In any case, that's what gets us to where we are now. And Dan Auerbach brought him up to Nashville again to make the new record, Sharecropper's Son, which is a kick-ass soul record. Touches on blues and delta blues and soul in very, very cool ways. It's very autobiographical, and a lot of the stories and narrative of the songs on the album just came out more or less freestyle with the musicians laying it down while Robert improvised the lyrics. So go have yourself a listen to the album and check him out at his website, which is robertfinleyofficial.com. And Finley is spelled F-I-N-L-E-Y. That's robertfinleyofficial.com. And you can get albums and merch and check out his tour dates uh, coming up. So thanks to Robert for spending time with me to talk about all this stuff. And here we go. Enjoy my conversation with Robert Binley. Really nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this, man. No, no problem at all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. So uh, I do this podcast. I talk to a bunch of people, most of most of whom, like a lot of them are around your age, actually, that have been, you know, around studios and and making music for, for decades. And I know you've been playing for a long time, but your recording career just, you know, basically started three, four or five years ago. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me just a little bit about that that path for you and whether that was something that was kind of accidental or whether it was something you've always had in the back of your mind. It seems to be really kind of coming together at such an odd time for you. I'm just wondering how that started. Well, actually, the first recording was did in 2000. Uh, it was Red Top's studio uh, and Red Top recording. Uh, that was in uh, California, San Francisco, but it was a small time oh. thing. It was just guy uh just happened to come into the club i was performing it and uh said that he would like to record me and uh and i was like yeah but you know it was a financial thing and he was like well uh i am not gonna charge you anything to record you. i just want to just want to record you so he recorded a record and uh we call it age don't mean a thing but we didn't have uh you know i didn't have any kind of connections or any type or way of uh and even social media wasn't as popular as it is now right. uh, and have any kind of way of, of getting it around but i sold i sold out the first uh time i had some made i just had a couple hundred made was bringing them home just for friends and family yeah and uh but uh so i actually sold out before I left California, so I had some more made up, and uh, 
brought brought it home to me. To be honest, uh, I wasn't no way uh, anywhere close to where we are now. We it was just a hobby thing. Right. I I was out there on vacation. I did something and I came back. And they, you know, we got some local radio play and and then stuff. And then it, you know, it when ain't nothing new happening, it it died down. So uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> and I was, you know, I like I, said, I was busy with my carpentry and right and my, my house building, and so I didn't. I, I didn't put the the effort uh, the, into it. I had flew out maybe to California to do a couple of birthday parties and stuff. Uh, but basically, they would just fly me out. I do the uh, birthday party and stay a couple of days and fly me yeah. back. So that was that was you know that was fun thing uh, for me to do. And and, and uh, it wasn't about a business. I never thought that I'd be actually doing it for a living, you know. That was like 2000. That was like 20 years ago. So were you were you out playing with a band or anything? Or was this just strictly like kind of a pickup band and you were just playing for fun and nothing? Uh, yeah, just playing, just going to clubs and sitting in with the band, you know. Uh, if, if, if Average club, uh, and especially in, in, on the West Coast, uh, if you go in and walk in a place with a live with a guitar, with you know, somewhere where there's a live band. Yeah. Uh, basically, you don't really have to say too much or nothing. Somebody <laughs> gonna ask you. <laughs> All you gotta do is ask, answer questions. Because uh, first thing, somebody's you know, there's always somebody that knows somebody. Yeah. And uh, and so that's how I wind up saying. But actually, uh, and you, but you just back to play anywhere you went. But actually, that's how it started in Helena, Arkansas. Uh, right. The first, I I went out there with a friend of mine, Tom Hardy, that owned the restaurants in Monroe. That I, you know, I performed at frequently. And uh, but uh, the season had closed down for crawfish, so we wasn't. Uh, he, you know, he had shut the, that part of the business down. But he he was catering at the uh, King Business Festival, so he was like, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going out there. Want you just ride out with us and uh, you know sell you my because see actually with him uh, he would get keep me enough uh, little gigs from you know from one restaurant to the other to pay the bills because that was when I first uh, you know was diagnosed with the uh, glaucoma. The glaucoma, right? And, yeah, and uh, so uh, I was I I was making my living. Basically, just hanging out. Well, really, he was just taking care of me because uh, I could go out and uh, I could hand it, tell him what a bill is, and he'd, he'd tell me where you know to come play at, and, and he'd take care of. Me. So okay. uh, it was just a one of those things to where uh, I was out there with him. His daughter overheard some guys talking about <laughs> a jam session. Perfect. And, 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 and so that's how it really happened. And she told me about it. So was and this I, was this the festival in like 2015 around then, or is this? Yeah, right. That's, okay. That was the first. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, and, and I I went out there and uh, I said I got to do some investigating. And everybody was saying, "Well, you got to be on the list. You got to you got to be uh have a busting permit, and you got to." It was a whole bunch of red tape. You couldn't just get out and play on the streets, you had to have a permit wow. uh, uh, to play. Uh, yeah, uh, and so uh, 
you had to go through the proper channels. They had to know that you was going to be there and that you was going to be busting in. Okay. And, and, and it had to be on the schedule so that the tours would know exactly where everybody was at. So I, my chances of busting was slim to none, uh, as they was telling me. So they're not going to let you play, but we can have some fun. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty persuasive. I knew if I got <laughs> in touch with the right person, I would get to do what uh, I wanted to do. Uh, but uh, I finally got, uh, when I finally got found out about the jam session, they said, well, can't nobody. One guy told me, he said, look, he said, this guy is the head of this. He running all, all this stuff on the main stage. Mm-hmm. He said, now, the jam session going to be on the main stage, say, if you talk to that guy over there, he said, whatever he say, that's what goes. Okay. So I I finally got pointed in the right direction after a whole day of walking around, asking questions and getting rejected. But this guy, he, I said, hey, man, uh, and uh, how you doing? He was sitting up on stage by himself and making notes. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, man, I know you don't know me and uh, I don't know you, but... Uh, <laughs> I sure like to rock this crowd. And, I was, <laughs> and, and he was like, what do you mean rock the crowd? I said, man, I like to jam on this stage. He said, what uh-huh. do you do? I said, I said, well, I play guitar and sing. He said, you got a band? I said, no. I, he said, well, who, who, who? I said, look, I said, this is a chance of a lifetime. I said, either I'll, I'll, I'll make it or break it. And he said, well, he said, man, he said, you know, it takes a lot of courage for a man to come up. And uh, he said, I really don't know nothing about you. He said, but if you come back, when you hear the music stop, we're going to be through rehearsing. He said, if you come back, he said, I'll let you jam. Or I'll give you the stage for, for, for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I'll let you sing a song on it. And I, I, I went on back to doing what I was doing. And, and I, I left my equipment up on the stage because mm-hmm. I was determined to rock that crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was You're funny set, because... set on that. Yeah, I, I got, but when I got to playing the blues, it wasn't anybody there. It wasn't no audience. It was just a sound check. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started playing, people started coming. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought I was just playing the blues and people started coming. So when I got enough people there, I sung song while I sang the blues. So, you know, I had, had wrote a version of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the p- people just started coming from everywhere. And uh, so the the guy, I finished the song, and I looked around at the uh, the stage manager, and he tells me play another one, <laughs> waiting to see if if he's going to kick you off or not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so he tells me play another one. I I played another song. I kept playing. I kept playing. And after a while, he said, uh, he he said, man, he said they're coming out the woodworks, and and for I, you know, and I can't see that good. So when I did. Uh, pay attention to the audience. It was when I heard the applause at the end of the second song. Okay, and then I heard all that loud applause. So then, so up, to, up know, to then, you didn't even know if anyone was out there, even or anything. I really, you know, I was just <laughs> watching. I was watching my fingers, yeah, and trying to make sure that I got it right because it's my, you know, I'm gonna be the first and the last time. So I was concentrating. I didn't want no missed chords. I just watched my fingers. <laughs> And I was singing with my head down. Uh-huh. So when I heard the applause, I raised my head up, and then people were there. So I had sung two songs. And the audience, 
started to encore. And then I looked back at the stage manager because it's time for the show to start. Yep. And he says, sing one more. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I went back and I did it by myself. So there wasn't like a house band or anything. It was just you up there. No, it was just just me solo. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then all of the musicians had gathered around in backstage by the time I finished the third song. And the audience was, was started saying more and more, more. And uh, he said, he'll be, he asked me, would I come back in a jam session? Mm-hmm. See, because I didn't know anybody, any of the musicians. Oh, so this was, this was literally just the sound check. This was a sound check. <laughs> okay. that he just gave me the mic on and right. gave me, when he finished the sound check, he just told me, well, okay. He got up and told the people, look, this is Robert Finley. He's going to sing y'all a song. That's all he knew to say okay. about me. He didn't yeah. say he kept himself clear of it. <laughs> and it was so funny. Uh, but then I knew if I just got a chance, uh, that I, you know, yeah. on that big stage, it, 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 you know, I, 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 I could capture the whole thing at one time. But what happened when I left the stage, the, the, the guys, the city had a store that they was, doing stuff out of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. souvenirs and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Yep. So they offered me to sit up in front of their store. Oh, okay. And I sit up in front of the store and people start, and I play solo and people start, people start coming there. So now I got the crowd is stopping before they get to the big stage. <laughs> they 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 would stop and, and and check out. You know they had to pass right by me. Yeah. So everybody was stopping, and then I I had a, a a tip jug out, and the wind was high, and when I really noticed it, people started picking up money, putting it back in the jug. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized my tip jug was had over. It was full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good sign, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, I takes a break. And I go in the uh, in 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 the uh, bathroom, and I had me a backpack, uh, you know that I had a backpack that was carrying my stuff in. So I just started putting my money in the backpack, mm-hmm. and then I put my jacket back over uh, on, on my back, back over the backpack, and I put the joke back out there and see if I can do it up again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, it was fun. It was, but then that, uh, that's when I met the Tim Duffy guy. And who's that? And then the guy from Music Maker. Oh, okay. From, right. the, from Music Maker, he was the one that took the pictures. Uh, uh, the first one that uh, actually, uh, you know, brought it to my attention about doing this thing worldwide. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, uh, he, he just asked me would I be interested in. And, and doing it. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't pay any attention because people are always talking crap and they right. yeah. follow out. Sure. So a couple of days later, well, maybe it might have been a week later than the following week, I did get a call from uh, the Music Maker Foundation. And uh, they wanted to come to Bernice and uh, visit me. And I'm like, eh, I'm skeptical, so I want to, I want to. <laughs> I like I like I come to you. It's cheaper for me to come to you uh-huh. than it is for all y'all to come to me. 
So uh, they asked me, he said, you'll come? I said, yeah, if you send a round trip ticket. I said, I'll fly out there, and, and then that way, if, if it ain't, you know, if it ain't legit, I already got my ticket back home. I said, yeah, you, you can send just yeah, I said, you got to send me a round trip ticket. So they sent me the round trip ticket mm -hmm. and picked me up at the uh, airport. And when I got there and I saw all the people that, you know, had been that, that uh, you know, they were supporting uh, the musicians from New Orleans, you know, when that yep. flood had come through. And uh, so uh, I, I took it to be a real deal. You know, first I thought it was just a gadget. And then I found out they were they were legit on uh on what they were doing. Where is and it? So, that, where is it? They were based. Like, where did you fly to to meet them? Uh, let's see. Uh, it was uh, Are they in New York or something, or is it? Oh no no no. Uh, no, it, Carolina, North Carolina. Oh okay. Uh, that's what. what I, I, it, and, you know. and and for people that don't know, this is an organization that that essentially helps. Uh, what like musicians that are in a certain musician that's having a hard time when uh -huh. uh, they lose all their equipment and stuff like that. And they yep. was, it was a foundation to help uh, musicians get, get new equipment and try to put bands back together. Yep. Uh, Cause a lot of people were just homeless and a lot of musicians were just homeless and out of work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and then with no equipment to work with. So that's what, and that's, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, about it. Not, you know, like I say, I couldn't read that good, but everybody that was reading it felt like it was a, a good thing, you know, they were doing. Yeah. And so I got aboard and I got to, that was my first trip overseas. I went with, uh, oh. you know, besides the military, uh -huh. I went with the music maker band and we, we played for, for schools doing uh, certain events. They were, I don't know, something similar to, uh, I guess, black history we have here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was school functions that I went to, and uh, I was telling my story to, to different kids, and it was a whole about hold on to your dream, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do that a lot in, uh, right here in Louisiana, too, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in Union Parish, where I live at, I uh, – I played for the nursing homes. I played for the kindergarten. I played for the high school. Cool. You yeah. know, anywhere from eight to eighty. You know, yeah. they pretty much know. <laughs> know, know <laughs> they know Robert Finley. <laughs> yeah. So, so that organization set up a tour for you uh, in. So this was in Europe, or well, it was. Uh, we went to Europe, Spain, and wow. Uh, I want to say Amsterdam. We went f few places. I went about three times that I went overseas oh, wow. with them. Okay. And uh, but uh, like I say, it was a music made relief foundation. It, it was it was a group of us uh, that was all traveling together. But everybody in the band had they had they role, you know, to play. It was we yeah. were basically doing a, uh, it, you know, everybody just had so many minutes on stage, uh, and, and uh, that was uh, the guy uh, Alabama Slim, you know, uh, okay, Little Joe. Uh, was from Chicago. He was a horn player. It was just musicians that had that had, had come together. We we uh you know made just made a good team. Uh, Robert 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 Lee. Uh, it was it was several guys. So many of them in there, in there. You know that that all had their own set. I mean, their own right. show to but where each was... one could each one could take the stage and and we would always compete about 
who was going to get out down, you know. It was, <laughs> Some friendly competition never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah, friendly competition. <laughs> it sounds kind of like a, like the old Stacks reviews in the 60s or whatever. Where, yeah, but you know, see, like, these guys, the, the thing about these guys, see, I, I got a board, the thing, I don't like, I got a board at the age of 63. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, I'm 67 now, so I'm in there a uh, few years now. But these guys have been doing this stuff you know, I'm I in my age of sixty three. I was the young. I was the new kid on. You were the, the new kid. I was the yeah. youngest, youngest thing in in the in the thing. So I had to, uh, you know, I, I I could I had to pay attention to them and and all of what they did and how they did mm-hmm. because this was an opportunity. If they've been doing this for thirty years and forty years, and you know what I'm saying, and, and I just been doing it for thirty days, you know what I'm saying. Right. So right. I got to come in, you know, I got to come in there uh, like I'm supposed to be there. And uh, so, but I always, always stood my ground as far as. Uh, I bet you did. Uh, I was determined, uh, you know, it's when one artist done rock the house and you hear all the screaming and stuff, it's hard for another artist to walk out right behind him. Yeah. And get that same reaction. Totally. So you either got to first. You got to get their attention <laughs> quickly and you got to keep it. Yeah, yeah. you got to keep it because if you don't come out, if you don't come out swinging, you know, if you ever let it just die down, they're not going to. Uh, You're not going to get, gonna get know, them out. Gonna, yeah. yeah, it's going to be hell to get the house. So instead of com- competing against what they did, I would just add to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that way. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I would, I would just continue what, like part two or what. <laughs> they were doing because I, I, uh, you know, I could play it uh, in any style. I knew I could, I, I knew I could, uh, you know, I could harmonize within it with whatever the people yeah. wanted. So, uh, if if they was in a jazz move, I I could stay jazz with them, you know, and ease it out, mm-hmm. uh, ease my blues in. But it's it's hard to just when people don't dance do, and then you just drop in and go to drop some low down blues on them. They are hype. They want to. They want to dance, and you know the blues. You you have to know when. Yeah. To uh yeah. to to administer the blues because uh, blues will kill a party if you don't. But <laughs> <laughs> those are things that come naturally to like a really seasoned performer. But you at this point are like, were you considering yourself uh, a new performer, or had you been doing enough gigs over the last thirty years, or were you oh, was it totally it? fresh to you? No, 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 no. It was just an opportunity to to, to finish something I had started. Okay. See, when I was in the military, I was a program director and entertainer. So, uh, and I've already and I and then uh, when I got out of the mil- military, uh, I had my own uh, radio uh, show, uh, oh. Brother Finley and the Gospel Sister Gospel Hour. So. I guess that's why I talk so much and don't get nobody else chance to say nothing because I was <laughs> I was retired already or announcer, but <laughs> but uh, you know it, it it was just for you know an hour on Sunday morning, okay. but I did my own commercials and oh so you had a like you had a, the real like the the gift for the gab going back then yeah oh yeah just just it was it was always and then uh, I was you know we had a gospel quartet uh, which I was. Uh, you know, I was the manager and the leader of that band. Uh, so uh, I had been doing gospel 
I I would have did. I wanted to do things way back, but I had some young girls singing for me. Yeah, uh, background and um, I couldn't uh, persuade their dad to let them sing the blues. He just uh, he was kind of like my dad, you know. The, my my kids not singing no blues because okay. they dad had a got you know gospel quartet too, and I I played for them. That was the uh, harmony five. After why we started another group was the Young Gospel Brothers, and which you know we call when kids see everybody in the family doing something they want to do it, and as they got old enough to do it, we didn't deny them an opportunity to do it. We just organized them a group because it was fun to me because that's what I was doing in the military as a program director and entertainer was to make sure that band members met each other. You know, just just be a communication. So if you know a guy that plays the horns and looking for work, you know, you 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 you, you know, you put his name in your black book and then somebody yeah. else looking for a guitarist. And before you know it, I got all of them information. And I if I ever get them all to come together at one time. You've got a band. Yeah, you know, I got a band. And in the military, that was no problem because if you ever got a guy agree to come to band rehearsal, and if he's supposed to be there doing duty hours, and that's when you wanted to do it during the duty hours, because it's not up to him once he agree to come, he got to report to duty. And if he's not there at time of a rehearsal start, he's AWOL. So uh, it's a serious offense in the military to miss right. a band rehearsal. Wow, that's but, uh, funny. That's a funny way to Yeah, I mean, but it's 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 it, it, it. But no one could just not show up, right? Okay, you know, it, so attendance no was minute. was high. Yeah, yeah, everybody <laughs> had to be there, you know, right? Or, or they faced the consequences uh, on Article Fifteen, and, and back then they wasn't cheap, you know. You you know they they, they could take half of your paycheck for you not showing up on wow. time. So. Uh, but when I got out of the military, that's when, in the real, you know how you say, that's when things got different. And this is when I realized this really ain't what I, I want to do. These guys may show up. They may not. You right. Know, it's uh, like a, there's no, there's yeah, no AWOL in real life. There, yeah. There's <laughs> no, there's no, uh, in the real world, there's, there's no penalty for not showing up. You, 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 you know, you can either follow the guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, but you can't charge him, you know, uh, serious enough, you know, because right. all he's going to say is, I ain't going to play if you're not going to pay, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, in the military, you had to be the, where you had to be on time. Right. These gospel groups that, that you're talking about, like after the military, when you're playing in and managing these gospel bands, were they like just regional um, playing around like in your church and the, and in the area in Louisiana, or were you actually on the road with these guys or what was that like? Well, we, we, we set it in, uh, Louisiana, but mm -hmm. we would, you know, go to Mississippi or, uh, you know, go to Texas occasionally, okay. uh, because it always would be, be somebody in the family, uh, that, uh, lived in Texas or something that, that did the organizing for us, us driving out to do the show and we'd be doing it at the other church or something, you know, yeah. but it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't one of the things like 
like it is now because uh, it wasn't about wasn't about the money. Everybody just loved what they were doing mm-hmm. and, and getting a chance to do it, uh, for, you know, in front of uh, so many people. Right. Um, we uh, we used to go on a, a little local gospel show with Ernie Meyer TV show. And uh, it was called the Ernie Meyer Show. We would go on there and, and perform, you know. Oh, wow. Cool. And be, and be seen locally. So you were kind of known around the area as like a one of the top gospel groups of that time. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had we had three. We had three groups in one. That was the whole thing. See, we had the parents. Uh, was uh the the the, the older people were the harmony five, mm-hmm. and they had been singing, you know, thirty five forty years, you know, so they were well known. Then uh, I the organized the gospel sisters, yeah, and uh and then uh, and and the and the gospel brothers, which was the harmony five's children. So it okay. wasn't the whole; okay. it was all family, just three generations. Uh, so the older ones would play, then the, 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 the teenage girls would play, then the, the little boys would play. And okay. uh, at that time, the boys was ranging from eight to 12. You know, they was they just wanted to be a part of it and part of that stage. It's something about being out front, being appreciated that people have hunger for, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Being, just being uh, doing it. If you're doing it for the wrong out of ego trip or whatever you don't you don't get to enjoy that that part of it that's right uh, but uh if you're doing it for the love of it then what comes from the what comes from the heart goes to the heart yeah and people can actually feel what you're feeling that's why uh I come up with the uh song I can feel your pain right uh that's that's <laughs> on the upcoming album you yeah know? yeah uh, uh, because it becomes it becomes a part of you giving your whole, you know, you put yourself into the character. Even if it's just like uh, you would be making a movie, you got to be convincing That's right. uh, to, to to the people that to make the movie be interesting. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that's what takes a great actor and, and and an actor, and some you know some people just read the line and call it work, but some people knows how to. Work convincing, yeah. How to work, yeah, yeah, yeah. With your new record, Sharecropper Son, uh, which is awesome, I love it. A lot of it feels very autobiographical to me. Um, could you maybe talk a bit about that particular song and just like how much of that is is really like what your childhood was like? Because it paints a it paints a pretty you know harsh picture of 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 growing up in that area and and working really hard and. Um, you know, was is that what your life was like as a as a youngster in that area? Yeah, uh, on the on that uh, album of the Sharecropper's Son, there is no no make believe. There's no uh, okay. role to play. That's 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 true history. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, and I mean, there's no it's no add to it. It's no taken from it. There may be some things that was unsaid, but everything that that was said is is real. Uh, I got seven siblings, and uh, I discussed that with them before I even, uh, uh, you know, decided to to make that, you know, to like make to the see, album. Like to see if they were okay with you talking about it in that in that way. Yeah, I wanted, I want, and then I wanted to 
to get their point of view because okay. they're older. They're older than me. Mm-hmm. See, I'm the youngest son of the sibling, and I got one sister that's younger than me. Uh, she doesn't remember basically hardly nothing because she was a. Uh, so young at the time when we actually moved off the farm. I think I was 10 when we moved off the farm. Mm-hmm. So she she may have been six or seven years old. Uh, so uh, she don't remember she, because things she didn't, you right. know, she never had to do. Uh, and I, I, if she was that old when we moved. But if you asked her, she, she'll just tell you she don't remember. But the, but the, the rest of them, the other six, they uh, they know the story, mm-hmm. and they they uh, I told them at one point it may be we have to write a book and and everybody write their chapter, yeah, uh, as to how they remember it because I'm telling it the, bit, the things that happened to me, uh, things that I experienced, mm-hmm. uh, quite naturally they experienced things that I didn't have to. Sure. Because I I I go walk with my dad and hold the plow, hold the line and tell the mule what to do. I remember that. But it's a lot different than walking alongside your daddy and uh and holding the line and telling the mule to yee and or haul or give up well, those things came natural. But our older brothers, they had to hold the plow too. So that that's why I said uh to me, I didn't realize it was even work. Uh, I, I, I'm at my age. I'm thinking it's fun. I cried to get out the house with Mama to even go to the field with Dad. Mm-hmm. So now I didn't realize that I was setting myself up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember uh, riding on the sack. I mean, I remember my mom used to set me on her sack. Uh, to keep me from wandering off in the field while she wow. picked cotton, uh, and uh, I would, I would just. So the know, whole, put, the whole family, all the kids were out there like working in the field. Yeah, the whole, my whole family was in the field. You know, uh, they, like I say, all but my baby sister, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she was in the field. She just don't know it. Just don't <laughs> she remember, doesn't remember. You know. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was wow. too little to stay at home by herself. So she was in the field, you know. Yeah. She, she might have been in the wagon or whatever, you know. And, wow. Uh, uh, but uh, she was out there. Uh, but uh, if she cried, we weren't that far, you know, wouldn't be that far from where she could, we couldn't hear. But uh, my mom basically took care of the house, but sometimes she would come out. If she came out, you know, the baby come too. And when we were little, see, we we play, we we get over in the trailer and walk around and jump up and down. But we didn't realize we were packing the cotton. You know, that was part of the job too. Yeah. You know, you had to get a, pack the cotton, make sure you get enough in the trailer the 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 for the bale the way out. But that was something for everybody to do. So like I say, if you couldn't, you wasn't big enough to pick, you could get over in the trailer and and uh, walk around, and and you you started packing the cotton, and, and so uh, when they come to up the sacks, it, you know, wow, it'd be room for to put everybody to put more cotton in. Yeah. But- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, I remember my first sack was a flower sack. My dad put a string on the flower sack, put it put it around my shoulder, across my shoulder, and I thought I was doing something, you know, and I feel it up real quick. I got where I can feel it up real quick. Next thing I know, he done got me a longer sack. <laughs> fill it up, fill that one up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, shit, before I know it, I got a damn nine foot sack on my damn back. And they're going to get a whooping if I don't fill it up today. Could we talk a little bit about the new record? Um, like specifically, you know, it, the, the songwriting is, is, you know, we've talked a little bit about that and, and how personal it is for you. And uh, I, I just wonder what the actual process of, of making the record was like. Uh, maybe you could talk about your experiences with, with Dan Auerbach. And I don't, I don't even know where you made the record. Was it in Nashville or did you make it in Louisiana? Yeah, it was, it was in Nashville. At, at Dan's place? And dance phase, yeah. Oh, cool. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about the sessions and and how it actually went down? Because it's such a great sounding record too. Like it sounds very live. Man, I tell you the truth, uh, it happened so fast. Uh, <laughs> you don't even, you know, uh, everybody was everybody was just excited to be back together. With you know, we basically had the same musicians that we had on the first album. Everybody was super glad just to be back together again i guess and get to get to jam yeah uh, yeah some of the guys i had never met uh that uh played on the uh, on a couple of songs on there but most of the guys uh i uh already knew and uh from the last album mm-hmm. but uh when we did uh country boy uh which is the soundtrack you know of the album uh we uh they were just jamming Warming up, the band was just warming up in the studio, making sure everybody's equipment was was working and hearing everybody. And it, it's got to sounding good. I walked in the room in the booth and, uh, and it was kind of rocking. And so Dan say, sing something with you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I just started singing country boy so and, that's uh, that's really how that happened you just that was yeah you just it was it was it was not playing it was it was it it was not it was not uh it was not something we had to sit down and uh and worked on it was just something just happened wow that's so cool yeah and uh is that something you've you've done much of like have you have you been in situations like at a at gigs and stuff where you improvise where you just make songs up on the spot like that or was that a new oh uh, well that's that's really the only way i ever i ever wrote was, really uh, i used to want to be a poet and i used to try to make things rhyme 
Yeah. Uh, all through all through elementary school, you know, I would, uh, and, and you know, I had to say things in a neat way uh, at school, but I could I could make up a a, 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 a you know reels and stuff because the only thing was basically was making the last word rhyme, and I yeah, and I don't know, it just came natural for me to. And I'd always have a crowd of kids standing around laughing. And we, you know, we'd have contests to uh, see who could get the most laughs and stuff. Yeah. But I always won because uh, even in the night clubs, uh, when I was, got old enough to go into them, I, you know, I could just walk in the nightclub and uh, for some reason I could convince the DJ to give me the mic. And, and everybody knew uh, I used to stand outside the club and people wouldn't go in. Uh, so the, so the, the man would tell me, well, look, you you need to come in so the, so my customers would come in. <laughs> <laughs> man, that sounds a lot like freestyle, like hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the same what thing, all man. About. Yeah, wow, that's, that's, that's so what cool. it was all about, just freestyle. Uh-huh. So when, when they started playing music, it just comes, you know, it takes me back to you know my younger days when that's what I used to do because I me and a friend of mine he's deceased now but uh he knew exactly what music to play uh as a DJ but he didn't like to talk he didn't know what to say to the people so right we would call ourselves the together brothers <laughs> and, that's awesome. and uh, we would we would dress you know pretty much the same color he would play the music. Yeah. I would pump the crowd. I was just, you know, because I could always think of something to, to say in between uh, him changing. Now, back then, you know, you either had to have two turntables or you had to change the, the record. Really and, bad. Uh, yeah, you had to be fast at it. And so I would keep the people attention until he get the next record on. Then once I hear the first <laughs> beat of it, I didn't even have to know what it was because, yeah. you know, once I once I heard the first beat, I just start bringing it in, you know. So is it just you with a mic up there or do you, would you have a guitar while you're doing that? It'll be just me, just me and the mic. Uh, wow, cool. Occasionally, uh, you know, sometime I would, we, we got where well, I would take a guitar and uh, just sit in and do a do a song or set every day and then. But uh, when I left home, I went back to uh, Texas for a while, and there they were having gone shows and talent shows mm. at the time. And uh, most clubs was having them open mic nights. And and so I started playing around them. Uh, the fact that I had made up my own songs and I was singing stuff Nobody never heard before, you know, and uh, the people liked it. So it was a chance to, you know, to get out there. Over a whole lot of promises, but never nobody really did anything. Like I say, until I got with the music maker guy, from, or Tim Duffy, and then went from there to Bruce at the uh, Fat Parson Records. Okay. And then I found out later that, that Dan used to be on the Fat Possum sure. uh, label. And so Bruce and, 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 and Dan had gotten together, I guess, and communicate. And Bruce had recommended that I do, that they try me for the voice 
on a book called The Murder Banner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that was all I suppose been doing was was singing those four songs. Okay. So I had to learn them and, and sing them. So yeah. Dan, Dan had a speaker in my ear to tell me what the next line was or the next verse was about. Oh, really? And I would just, okay. yeah, because I, I couldn't read it, you know, and I yep. would just sit there and I would listen to it. And I would listen to it while the band was playing. I would be listening to my part, trying yep. to memorize word for word the song. Uh-huh. So uh, so we come up with this plan where Dan would tell me in my ear. and uh, uh, That's cool. And I would just holler it out, you know, boom. And then they, they was going on. They were they were they were laughing and going on in the in the control room like what the hell is going on? <laughs> and, but they, you know they was all just just you know they was lit up in there and I'm like and I didn't know if I was getting it right or, or I was messing up that bad. Yeah. You know? So uh, we actually had four days to do the song, and. uh we did all four songs. We was, I guess we spoke been doing a, a song a day. I don't know. But we did all four songs in about four hours, four right. five hours. So you got three days left of studio time. <laughs> three days left studio time. And so, and then, like, I don't believe this fucking guy. He walks in off the fucking street. <laughs> <laughs> so and, you had, um, was that the first time you'd, you'd ever met him? That was the first time I'd ever met any of them. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know nobody in the studio. And he was like, man, I don't believe this. And so all the guys were like, man, you hit it. You nailed it. You nailed it. He's a good singer, Robert. Good singer. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, but I, to me, it was just, you know, just natural. Uh, I never thought anything about it until uh, they started playing it back. And, uh, you know, when I went in for the playback, and uh, it it sounded good. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was singing along with it. And sometimes I would background from us you know along with it mm-hmm. and so dan picked up on that you know so he wanted me to do some of the uh my own background you know what yeah like, some whatever, the harmonies and stuff yeah whatever uh whatever key he asked me to hit because i just hit it you know and i said yeah. can you do the whole song there and i was like boom so when we did holy wine we had did their album holy wine is on the the going platinum album. Yeah, yep. we had complete. We had com- completed the the album, finished the song, everything, and then we was listening at it. And I walked in the booth and I just start singing it in falsetto along along with it, you know. And, yeah. And then Dan turned around and said, "Man, can you do the whole song in that?" I was like. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I ain't never tried that, man. And yeah. I said, and so he, we put the music back on and took the vocal out. And he says, let's see how the sound in falsetto. And that became one of the. Yeah, that's a killer most, song. Yeah, it became one. Of, I was like, and I would just ask, just, you know, I was just playing. That was a flute. I was, yeah, we had, I said, well, you know, you know how it is when you know you done did your job and you completed uh-huh. Then you, I felt pretty good about it because. Dan said he he was satisfied with the, with the cut. Oh, so that the Going Platinum album was done in those sessions that you were just supposed to do the the four songs in. Right, right. Awesome. Because we had three we had three days of studio time. Yeah, uh, already booked. And, oh uh, man. And uh, so they was like, "What to do with it?" And so yeah, Dan asked me, "Would I mind doing a be interested in doing an album?" And I 
And I, I said, yeah. So he he had the songs written oh. uh, on that on the Going Platinum album, and uh, he's pulled them out. And uh, what what do you mean? Like he had the songs written for himself to make a, his own record, or was he writing songs for you specifically? It was him and Pat going and, and Bobby Woods. You know they they all the Memphis boys. They all were working together. Okay, uh, songwriters when uh when there when, when there's no band in the studio yeah then they 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 you know they they write yes write songs for anybody who want to sing sure. can can, yeah. can sing so uh but uh they had these written and and, and i i sung them uh sung them and the guys liked it and uh so they actually came out of retirement because all of them was just working in the studio they wasn't doing any touring they had all retired from touring yeah. Uh, matter of fact, Dan wasn't doing any touring itself, but we was having so much fun in the studio. <laughs> they came up with this plan: let's let's go out on the road one more one more time, because and which was great for me, because I got a chance to be on the road with some of the greatest musicians, uh, you yeah. know, and the most well known musicians in the world. So, who were some of the guys in that in that touring band? That was Bobby Woods. There, okay. There. Uh, Pat Gordon, the guys that wrote the song, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and, and me and Dan was the was the youngest ones in the uh, in the group, uh, <laughs> you know. All, all, yep, <laughs> and I was twice Dan's age, so yeah, yeah like you know. <laughs> but on the new record, you've got way more of a hand in writing the material. Then, so well, actually, yeah, in the new record, see, uh, I, I, uh, it, the songs are about my life. So basically. Uh, the the guys just uh, let me tell my story my way because yeah. it, it would have to be because Dan hadn't experienced sure. what I what I'm writing about uh, and uh, you know what I'm saying uh, the older guys Bobby and them knew uh, you know knew about it yeah but uh, they the, you know they weren't that experienced it like like you know like uh, I was like you know what I'm saying like or where's he knew about it because his dad owned the farm, you know, a farm. So he knew about the sharecropping and he knew about all of this stuff. So when we started right, when I, you know, when I started, everybody just kind of let me told, told my, my version of it. They did all the arrangements yeah. for, 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 the, for the music and, you know, and then. So you're coming up with, with all the lyrics, the stories. Are you coming into it with the, the melodies for the songs also? Or are you kind of presenting like, hey, I want to sing about this. Here's a few lines. And then they put a tune together and you just, and that, was that how it worked? Well, we did it both ways. Okay. We, we sit down, we sit down and I, I actually, we talked, uh, we, we talked and recorded and then we wrote, uh, you know, the recording was basically just, to a reminder of what you what you said mm-hmm. because some you know and then so we really were just recording and taking notes uh just like pretty much like me and you talking right uh it's it's basically what the writing was about that's great that's uh, a like good way said, to do it man it, it really comes through you know on uh, the, yeah. and then those guys uh with with them uh hitting chords on the guitar that you know, uh, coming up with all these different arrangements uh, that you haven't heard. Right. And that's the good part about it. It's every song has its own 
you know, arrangement. Yeah. For me, there's like a really interesting mix of like Delta blues and, and soul, like Memphis soul and all those things are represented, but it's not like, it doesn't sound like you're trying to like recreate an Al Green record or anything like that. It sounds, it's kind of got a mix of all those things, which is great. I think. I always call it the, the gumbo. Yeah. You know, it's more or less a gumbo. It's got a little bit of everything in it. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I do a demonstration like uh, on a, if a man, very few people would just walk up and, and pick a bell pepper and, and start eating it, you know. <laughs> uh, some people, you know, people do eat raw onion. Uh, but and, and very few people just going to walk around eating garlic. Yeah. But if you put a little bit of all of it yeah, in man. the pot together and uh-huh. boil it, you know, you'd be, you'd be surprised. That, you know, yeah, that, yeah. Because you got, you got all of it in there. The combination is what makes it's what right. makes it makes it great. So these guys, and see, like with me, I'm blessed to where I can pretty much take my voice. I guess that's from growing up trying to imitate the preacher, trying to mark sound like anybody that mm-hmm. anybody that was somebody being trying to be an imitator. You could sound. I mean, I could sing just like Al Green. I probably could could uh, uh, could get away with it if people didn't see me, you know what I'm saying? I probably could, probably could to do it to the, I used to try to imitate Isaac Hayes and I could go from uh-huh. here. And I, I even had songs where I would even imitate Sister Betty Wrights because I could, I had that type of flexibility in, in my voice. You got a range. Yeah. Yeah. Falsetta seems like it's really hard, but it's really one of the simplest notes you know, the, the thing in because uh, it's one of the less stress. If you know how you have to know how to do it properly though. You just, yeah, you just have to know how to do it. It, it, yeah. it don't take, it's not like a lot. It seemed like it would take a lot of screaming or a lot of pressure <laughs> to do it, but it's a laid back uh, thing to where you, you're, you're really in control. If you, if you, if you know what you're doing and it's all about, putting yourself in the right key to where you're comfortable. Somebody that was, when you were a kid, that sort of gave you pointers and sort of helped you out with that stuff? Or was it all just like you figured it out by just doing it in church and stuff? Oh, my, my, my dad would, would constantly, if, if I was, he, he, he sung all the time. And if, I, and if I was singing along, I would try to sing along with him. And uh, he'd always would stop and tell me what I didn't do right or where I was supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, he took the time to make sure that, that all of us could hold our note. Yeah. Uh, it, because, like I say, the whole family sung in the choir, and we had quartet. All of my kids that want to, you know, they they can. Uh, and uh, you know, I got one daughter that that travels with me everywhere I go that sings backup uh, mm-hmm. uh, background. But see, the what people don't. Don't don't realize, uh, and we you know it, it's going to come out and soon. Like she's really not a backup singer, you know. Right. She's a she's more or less a front and center singer. She mm-hmm. she needs to be out, you know, needs to be out there, uh, you know, on the label or uh, doing her own albums and stuff, you know. What I'm saying which we probably go probably wind up doing that before it's over with. But I'm sure uh, between her and my granddaughter. 
and with this pandemic came up, it kind of canceled a lot of hope we had. But uh, we were trying to work my granddaughter into the uh, studio because uh, Dan had heard uh, a little piece of recording that she'd done, and he, oh. he felt like she just needed an opportunity to get out there, too. How old is your granddaughter? Uh, she's... I think she's 22, something okay. like that. And as far as the recording goes, like, did you, was it all live off the floor pretty much with the whole band or are the horns and stuff overdubbed or like, how did you? No, 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 no. Everybody was, uh, everybody was, it was happening. Okay. Uh, uh, right there and right there. I yep. mean, uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't. Uh, Were the horn players like coming up with their arrangements on the spot or was it all kind of like mapped out for them? Uh, well, see, now, uh, when we started that jamming, everybody was going freely what they felt. Yeah, and, and just so, like I say, it was it was a it was a it was a warm up. It was supposed to be in the band was warming up, and everybody was just doing what they felt uh, because we it wasn't time to start the recording hadn't started, and and that's how that that you know that's how that, it happened. You know, any any thing you did, you know, it was no wrong doing that you could do because. We hadn't even, you know, made the... Uh, it hadn't started yet. Yeah, we hadn't started yet. hadn't started recording. <laughs> so everybody was just having fun. And I grabbed a mic and uh, started talking about him, country boy. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you and know, I started just telling, just telling my story. That's what it was. There's two songs kind of uh, uh, along those lines on the record. There's Country Child and Country Boy. One sort of... Yeah. One's more of like a, almost like a hill country Mississippi thing. And then the other one's more of a blues um, were, are you playing guitar on those as well, or is are you just singing? No, no, I didn't. I didn't play the guitar on that. Okay. Uh, I mean, I is is whatever is uh whatever is on the uh, on the track. Yeah. You know, uh, I I play by ear, so I play anything that I that I hear. Yeah. So uh, uh, quite natural. Some of the trips uh during the tour, and Dan won't be with me. You know, because he'll be. You know, back at the studio. Yeah. Then I'll have. Then I see. Then I have to know those tracks. So see, that's right. I have to be able to do it if I had to. If I don't, I can concentrate more on delivering the message because it's yeah. The guitar, I love it, but it's like having a horse in the stall. You can't run <laughs> like like you want to. You know. What I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you take the guitar off my neck. Then I'm like that horse. I didn't get out the gate. I could scratch my legs and I, right. you know, I can, I can, I can run the race. But uh, the guitar is a hinder if for us because I love to dance. Yeah. And uh, I'll be done. Yeah, you can't be dancing with a guitar strapped around uh, your neck. I'll be done. Be done. Uh, <laughs> jump too far and the plug come out. I done tried all that shit. <laughs> so who's playing all the who's playing all the slide guitar on the record? Is that Russ Paul? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah. great. I, so, I, I, I think him and Dan played slide. Uh, okay. When, when we was in there, I don't know which one. Because uh, they. Yeah, you can hear two of they, them sort of feeding off each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 I don't, I don't know which one hit which note, but yeah, like say, I, it, it's uh, so much stuff that goes on that those guys see they be still working when I go. Uh, once I put, once I lay lay my track down mm-hmm. and lay lay the, get the lyrics right, they get it enough 
to, you know, for me to know where I need to go, then I'm pretty much gone. If I'm not playing or not needed at the studio, there's so, so many, always so much more I need to, you know, be doing. Yeah, man. See, see like, we're, we're right here. We could have did this interview pretty much anywhere in the world, you know. Uh, That's right. Uh, thanks to technology. So Most of the songs are written by you on the record, but I know there's one song, All My Hope, that's that's a traditional song. Is that one that goes back a long time for you? Like, is that a song that you grew uh, up singing? Or what's no, no, no. Uh, that song, uh, like I said, we was, we was on tour, and Dan, Bobby Woods was playing that song. Okay. On his phone. He was playing that song on his phone, and I heard it, and I liked it. So I, uh, I asked him, who was that? And then he, uh, I don't know if the guy was, singing it was the one that wrote it or what but uh it was a black guy and white guy was 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 doing a duet with it and uh, the white guy was doing the piano uh, and i asked bobby I, to play it again for me and he played it again and i said well man i showed i like that song i <laughs> i wouldn't mind doing that and um i said i'd like to do that and he said well I'll talk to talk to Dan and uh, see what he say. And uh, we on tour, and we was at rehearsal. And we got through rehearsal, and I didn't even think nothing else about it. And then that's when Dan said, uh, "For me and Bobby to do it as a duet, okay. just like the other other people did it." So Bobby played it, and uh, just and I started, you know, to hit the notes, and then then I, I had the note right. But I didn't know the words. Yeah. So Dan, Dan uh, suggested that I put it on my phone and put my earplugs in and just go. Oh, okay. Sit out, go sit out in the lobby or get away from the band and just listen to it. So I did. I listened to the song over and over and over until and, and sung along with it while uh, the band was over there practicing. Mm-hmm. And when I came back in the uh, studio dan said you think you got it i said i'll try it <laughs> and uh and we did it and everybody loved it and so we started doing it on the tour and everywhere we went we did it and people we got such people loved it, it yeah the people yeah. just loved it uh but and uh i would be on song and dance and play the guitar and everything else and uh but then when we got ready to get do that song We'd always, I'd always get on the stool and sit down. Oh, nice. You know, to get serious, uh, I guess you would say. But uh, I'd always <laughs> sit out on the stool and, and and just sing 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 it like uh, that's a beautiful like thing. I wrote it. And uh, yeah. and then after we did a couple, did it on a couple of stops. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the rest of the band decided uh, they wanted to uh, get in on it and uh, in background. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and then they, they got the band started. You know, they, they all sung anyway. They all sung back up on Dan's albums, um, and they were singing back up on that tour. Yes. So they all joined in, and then that allowed me, when they started to do in the background, that allowed me to have more leeway to do more avalib. Right, right. Uh, and which is what you're more most comfortable with anyway. Right, right. So I, I gave me a chance to. To, to loosen up and do my thing. 
this year has been so crazy, obviously. And with the new record out, what, like, are you going to be, have you started booking shows and tours and stuff like that? Or are you waiting to kind of see what happens? Well, uh, my, I got, you know, I got booking agents that, uh, yeah. they, they, they haven't given me the list for the year, but, uh, uh, I think I would be comfortable doing festivals and outdoor stuff out, out yeah, outside, uh, uh-huh. venues. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, did a couple, you know, solo gigs, uh, you know, a little birthday bashes and stuff <laughs> lately. And people, people, uh, people have, you know, been, been, been well response, you know, and had good yeah. turnouts. I try not to, uh, draw too big of a crowd. Right. Uh, are you going to stay away from like clubs and, and theaters and stuff for a while? Or will you do those if they well, come up? Uh, I, I don't, I, I really don't know. It just depends on, yeah what what you know on the environment and uh mm-hmm. uh i did my part i've you know i've i've uh i've taken both for the uh vaccination uh you oh, know, and, and uh man so uh, but i don't know what the other people done done so uh yeah. you know it, the thing is you, you know people like to show you love by embracing and right and, and uh people like to take a lot of you know photos people yeah believe in that um you know like I say uh it it all depends i the i'll have to be led by the spirit yeah to what i'm gonna what i'm gonna do and when when i'm gonna do it i, um, I hear you like that song say all my hope is in jesus is that's the, <laughs> that's the time to put it to a test. So, <laughs> so i'm like yeah. i don't believe i don't believe in going anywhere that i can't speak openly about my about my faith and my Christianity walk, you know. Good. So uh I so I'll be de- depending on uh so if he'll have to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, see because you you gotta look at uh if I just do do it my way and not consider, then I'm bringing I'm endangering all my family, yeah, all my friends, all my fans. There's a lot to consider these days. There's a lot to consider, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now you know what I'm saying. I don't mind wearing masks and stuff, but it's hard to sing with a mask on. It sure is. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It, if you're sitting in a club, it's hard to take a drink with a mask on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a lot of negative stuff come from the mask. Yeah. But then with everything comes a little humor. Sure. You know. You know. You don't know if the girl sitting beside you is ugly or not with, with the mask <laughs> on. So hell. <laughs> Everyone's everyone's beautiful. Everybody beautiful with the mask, so, <laughs> so you know it's a good. It's That's a so good true, man. I, I'm a I'm a musician too, and I've been playing with people during the pandemic in studios recently with masks on, and I've, it's the first time I've ever met them, and I it's weird that I don't even know what they look like, and then I meet the or I see them without their mask on, and it's like, hey, that's weird. I didn't even realize you looked like that. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. Well, see what we did. Everybody, before we went in the studio for the videos, everybody was tested. Yep, and got the results uh, before we went into the studio. Yeah, and then you know we we wasn't you know we we wasn't hulling up. I'm in a booth. Everybody mm-hmm. else properly uh, distant, social distance. You know, practice everything to be as safe as possible. Yeah, yeah. There's ways uh, to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, I think uh, there's a lot of adapting that's going to have to happen now too, with both with shows and recording. But it seems like people are getting the hang of it slowly. Well, hey Robert, thanks so much, man, for talking to me today. And um, you know, I hope I hope you got lots more records in you. I love the new album. And um, oh yeah, uh, I, I tell you, man, uh, even this stuff here with the uh, pandemic and stuff going on with so much happening and the way people having to change of communicate and stuff. Yeah. See, that brings about just day-to-day experience brings about songs because people, yeah. people want to hear about things they can relate to. That's right. And, and, and since everybody's going through this stuff, uh, it, 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 it wouldn't be hard to, you know, to, to, to be creative or on songs. All you got to do is, tell the truth you do it really well man and i, I appreciate you and uh, <laughs> so glad hey, you thanks. made the new record and i uh, hope to see you in nashville one of these days i'll look forward to that uh, all right man okay all right folks that was my conversation with robert finley hope you enjoyed listening i had a blast talking to him we'll see you next month for another chilling episode of music makers and soul shakers over and out see you then Thanks for listening, everybody. The Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee at the Hen House Studio. Don't forget to follow us on social media and please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify Podcasts. And you can find us online at makersandshakerspodcast.com. As always, thanks to Jeremy Holmes in Vancouver for help with research. And we'll see you next month for another chilling episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. See you then.